0: The, to try the sunshine patriot in a crisis shrinks from the service of their country. But winter is coming. Did you hear the call? Winter is coming, and we know what is coming with it. No matter your thoughts or convictions, you must
1: be prepared for the hardships that come with the winter.
0: No matter your current position on the journey, stay a while. This is where you can find the tools and the fire to continue on your
1: path. Join Odin and fear and answer Winter's Call. Hello, welcome to another exciting episode of Winter's Call Podcast. I'm Odin. This is Tear. And you're looking at me weird. Is it because I, I'm awfully cheerful?
0: Yeah, kind of I haven't even finished my monster yet I don't have that kind of energy
1: It's because we're talking about fucking prepping today So, I mean
0: This
1: is my (laughs) wheelhouse, man (laughs) Now I'm excited We don't have to to fucking talk about COVID-19 The vaccine bullshit The fucking lockdowns (laughs) None of that (laughs) stuff
0: Only one thing do I want to say about COVID Okay LeBron James has tested positive for COVID (laughs)
1: <laughs> if, if, if karma had a face,
0: it couldn't have happened to a more deserving person.
1: <laughs> I can't wait to see the Kyle Rittenhouse memes with LeBron wipe it <laughs> off the tear and go, it's okay. COVID isn't usually <laughs> fatal.
0: <laughs> it is if you're a la bitch. <laughs>
1: What people right. think a Chinese prostitute looks like and what an actual prostitute Chinese prostitute is are two totally different things. Is that what you're saying?
0: Look, I wasn't going to go there, but let's get back into prepping. Let's get back All into right. our wheelhouse.
1: Alright, so we have talked about prepping in an episode before and uh, we had talked about how there were two different methods of prepping. Now they're not independent of each other, but they have a different outlook in terms of uh, let's see how do you put this in terms of uh, how they prepare, uh, how they organize things, and it, it, it turns it, it and how long. Like you are a survivalist, and I am a prepper homesteader, and the difference between those two terms is that survival is generally short term. You're looking three months, six months at the far end. I was going to say three to
0: six months would be about right. Well, I look more at the immediate future of having, having absolutely nothing, starting with absolutely nothing and being able to survive from there. Right. Wherever you're dropped, doesn't matter wherever you end up, you have the ability from that point moving forward. You don't have to have a, a backpack or things like that. It's nice, but that, that, that's more my outlook on it versus with you. You're more the prepper homesteader to me is, is more permanent. It's when you find that place that you know you can protect or the place that you know you can thrive. And then you start homesteading.
1: Well, it's, it's kind of a waiting game uh, with prepper homesteader, because if things get really bad and we're going to talk about some different scenarios here later, But if it gets really bad, there will come a time where I will be the mobile type of person. As a matter of fact, as a prepper, you should have a lone wolf bag or a survivor bag, which is designed for long-term survival if you lose your homestead. But really, it's about independence. Like, I'm not dependent on the grid for power, or the grid for water, or... Going to a grocery store and having to buy food, right? That type of stuff. I grow my own. We have chickens. We have, you know. I learned how to forage. That kind I was of see, stuff. I
0: think I, I think a lot of people misunderstand when we're talking survival because I do the same thing. Like I know how to grow food. I know how to how to hunt. How to forage.
1: Yeah, but you have but to I'm walk not, more.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say I have to walk more. I'm not. I'm not as into the more stationary. I guess right. is the the way. Right. And it's really a mindset and neither one of them are are wrong, but they're both, they're both for different things, but they're both needed because like a, a person like me, if I were to go out, you're right. Three to six months, if I'm lucky, if nothing bad happens, if I don't get injured, right. There's only so many times you can work all day, walk all day and then stay watch all night. Right. Yeah. That, that doesn't work. Survival is really a, a one or two man job. Yeah. Right preppings a lot more. Preppings when you've got people you can trust, you can build up and you can be self-sufficient and it's not all the workload's not on one person.
1: Right, like you have people who their job primarily is to stand the night watch and then during the daytime they can catch a couple hours and do minor stuff around the house. Uh, and then the people who are on the day shift, they do the majority of the uh chopping up the wood, this you know keeping the fires going, cooking the food, that type of stuff, you know, take care of the animals, go harvest the vegetables, that kind of stuff, but because you can't do it, you'll drive yourself crazy if you try to do everything all at once,
0: now that being said though these two are not mutually exclusive; they work together
1: they yes, they can uh a lot of times when you sit here and you look at you know the prepper shows you have the you know i I swear hollywood had. Finds the craziest in our community and decides to put them on TV uh, to discredit them. But let's be honest, FEMA, uh, ready.gov, all of these organizations say that you should have a minimum of three days food and water. And uh, because they know that <clears throat> in a, in a local, this is just a local scenario, a local disaster a hurricane, an earthquake. These are small-scale in terms of what preppers prepare for or survivalists prepare for. These are small-scale local events. You know, as bad as a hurricane is, it is not a nationwide issue. And uh they tell you three days food and water because they understand that the government won't come in. They won't be able to save you. Uh, They won't come rescue you for at least three days because they have to take assessment and the wheels of government move slowly. But in reality, a prepper looks at it and sits here and goes, there are multiple scenarios that are reliable scenarios, trustworthy scenarios, that say that if it is a large-scale issue, You're on your own. There is no one coming to save you. And that is why I prep. That is why I homestead. That is also why I have survival bags. For that reason. Because I know that once... Okay. The... The average person is not going to prepare at all. They might have... If they live in an area that is used to natural disasters, they might have a three-day you know 72 hour survival uh, bag or maybe if they're lucky 14 days right if you look at a grid down scenario a nationwide grid down scenario which I'll talk about that in one of the the worst case scenarios right if you look at it that is actually statistically going to happen within our lifetime and if that happens, Within a year, nine out of ten Americans will be dead in a year. So think of you and, ten, and nine of your friends, and they will all be dead at the end of the year. And that's if the power goes out for a year. Once you get past that initial point, that number doesn't stop. You just get hardier folk that sit here and stuff gets harder to come by. That number will decline even, you know, the the percentage will go down, you know, because you'll have less people. But the people aren't going to stop dying. No, and I think one of the things
0: I'd like to point out just before we, we get too deep into it. What I like to do, survival lasting a couple, you know, lasting a few months. It's really useful for one thing. Getting to that one spot you all already declared ahead of time. Yeah and then finding the things that you need for that spot to flourish.
1: Yeah. And and preppers have done research, preppers and homesteaders have done research on where they're most likely to be safe, Uh, to have gathered their resources there. And we understand that it's a risk, but it's a risk that we're worth fighting and dying for. Because we understand that that's our last stand. And it could be a bug in scenario, it could be a bug out scenario. But even if even if I had to leave and I had to leave my chickens and I had to leave my fruit trees. I have enough portable food that I can go for quite a while and take it with me immediately and go find an a better bug in spot. Because the skills are what's important.
0: And I think that's something that people don't realize that kind of crosses between the two a lot, too.
1: Yeah, is that it's a skill-based game, not a, uh, I'll give yeah, it's not a money thing. It's not a, I have a year's worth of, you know, I have a yeah, of X, Y, Z that I can survive on if need be. Uh, if I can forage, I can forage anywhere. If I know how to fish and I know how to hunt, I can fish and hunt anywhere. If I know how to start a fire, I can start a fire anywhere. Uh it you know and there are certain techniques used for different areas, different weather conditions, all of that stuff. But if I'm familiar with the general principle that knowledge makes you valuable. Uh so we're going to talk about worst case scenarios. That have actually happened, and then some that haven't. Um, let's see. What is his name? I always forget his name. Selko. Selco showed up in 2011 uh, on the survival boards. I mean, just came out of nowhere. And he painted a picture that most Americans don't get because it doesn't pierce their information bubble. Uh, and what I mean by information bubble, it is the information that you are exposed to every day and the bias behind it. I'll give you a perfect example. In, <coughs> in 2016, they did a Pew Research poll, right, and they asked about gun violence based off of what they got their news from. If gun violence has gone up, down, or stayed the same in the last 20 years. And what do you think the responses were? Most people said that gun violence had gone up in the United States. 65% believed that gun violence had gone up in a 20-year time span. 27% believed that it had stayed the same, and the rest believed that it had gone down. Well, they revealed the results, and it had gone down. Violent murders by guns and gun violence in general had gone down 50%. That is how your information bubble affects how you react to the world. That even the people who believed that it stayed the same were still way off. And it was because the media thrives on fear. And the government needs you to be afraid. It needs you to be dependent on it. And people who do, who pierce that information bubble, get to see what's really going on and do their own research. Yes.
0: Time for Tear and Interrupt for just a second. Here is your number one prepper or, you know, survivalist tip for the day. Get out of the common media that you follow. Get out of the common narrative that you see. Learn to look around. Learn to do your own research. Learn to see the world for what it is, <laughs> not the not the glasses they paint for you. Right. When right. you do, you're going to find the world's a completely different place than you thought.
1: Right. So we're going to tell you the story about Selco. Now, Selco showed up on the, on the boards uh, and, and busted that information bubble for a lot of preppers. Because even preppers who say, go, yep, I prepared for a worst-case scenario, didn't understand what a worst-case scenario actually looked like. Soko was in Bosnia when it collapsed from 92 to 95. And he told the story of what he had to do to survive and what the conditions were. Now, some people have doubted it, but people who are actually there say that he's not wrong. So, and now he's an author or something. So I'm going to read you his first post and then we'll talk about it. So, Selko's first post. Okay, I want to share with you my own experience. I am from Bosnia, and for some of you may know, it was hell here from 92 to 95. Anyway, for one whole year, I lived and survived in a city of fifty to 60,000 residents without electricity, fuel, running water, real food distribution, or distribution of any goods, any kind of organized law enforcement or government. The city was surrounded for one year, and in that city, actually, it was a... Shit hits the fan scenario. I'll just shorten it to shift. Uh, We did not have have an organized army or police force. There were groups of defenders, actually anybody who had a gun, fought for his own house and his own family. Some of us were better prepared, but most families had food for a couple of days. Some of us had a pistol. A few owned an AK-47 when it all started. Anyway, after one month or two, gangs started with their nasty job. Hospitals looked like butcheries. Police force vanished. Eighty percent of hospital staff had gone home. I was lucky. My family was big in that time. Fifteen members in one house. Five to six pistols. Three Kalashnikovs. So we lived and survived. Well, most of us. I remember the United States Air Force dropped MRAs every ten days. As help for a surrounded city. It just was not enough. Some of the houses had little gardens with some vegetables. Most did not. After three months, rumors started about the first deaths from starvation. Deaths from low temperatures. We stripped every door, window frame from abandoned houses for heating. I burned all my own furniture for heating. Lots of families died from diseases, mostly from bad water. We used rainwater for drinking. Several times I ate pigeons. Once, I ate a rat. And money and gold was not worth shit. We traded things black market works for examples for one corned beef can you could have a woman for a couple of hours it sounds bad but in a shit hits the fan scenario it was reality i remember most of the of that women were just desperate mothers candle lighters antibiotics fuel batteries rifle ammo and of course food we fight like animals for that In situations like that, lots of things changed. Most people turned to monsters. It was ugly. Strength was in the numbers. If you were alone in the house, you were probably robbed and killed, no matter how well armed you were. Anyway, the war ended, again, thanks to America. It is not important which side was right in that war. It was almost 20 years ago, but believe me, for me, it was just like yesterday. I remember everything, and I think I learned a lot. Me and my family are prepared now. I am well armed, stocked, and educated. It is not important what is going to happen. Earthquake, war, tsunami, aliens, terrorists, important things. Is that something is going to go wrong. And from my experience, you cannot survive alone. Strength is in the numbers. Be close with your family, prepare with them, choose your friends wisely, and prepare with them too. At the end, this is my first post and my English is not so good, so please don't judge me too hard. That was his first post. Look at the picture he painted. No food, no water, no electricity, no laws, no government, no police, no protection, no modicum of decony, decency. That mask of civility that we wear in today's society slipped. And within months, they, they had turned into animals.
0: And I don't think people understand how quick that can happen, like how if people you would think are, are good people or kind people that will literally knife you because what you have is what can feed their family.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, when the when times were good in the United States and all of the shelves were stocked, you had three days, three days worth of food in that grocery store before it had to be resupplied. Now you have even less than that because of the scarcity caused by the shits and giggles administration, right? So you have you have three days that if if shit hits the fan, you have three days where society may keep that mask up. But let me ask you a question. Uh, let me let me stop that for a second. All right. Yeah, you say three days. Yeah, it's generally the generally three days. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but then COVID hit, and we had one day where we said we're running out of toilet paper, and people were literally punching elderly people in the face, knocking them to the ground to buy a shit ton of ass wipers. I mean, think about it. And the gas shortage. And the gas shortage. shortage.
1: When that pipeline shut down, here's what I thought was hilarious. That pipeline shut down, right? That didn't affect any of the gas in Florida. At all. And yet there were lines of people trying to pour gas into laundry baskets that had holes in them. They were putting gas in plastic bags and then putting them in their trunks. Do you people not understand what happens? Why that is so funny? Why people who saw that went, oh no. Is somebody going to tell her? Because gas eats plastic. Quickly. <laughs> she didn't even double bag i'd be lucky if she made it to the end of the block
0: well here's here's a one way that i like to describe it to people um you've seen the violence that happens on black friday we just had black friday right
1: yeah i i well, think the violence was pretty low because everybody's so afraid but
0: but normally i mean you've got people that will fist fight well there was a shooting in south carolina over a tv uh yeah so i mean uh, this is over Black Friday. This is one day out of the year where they can buy some stuff at lower price. Imagine what happens when that stuff's not available anymore.
1: Yeah. Imagine what happens when it's not just tea, when it's just not toilet paper that is in shortage, but it is the food. And for all of you people who said, oh, we'll just come together as a community, let me ask you something. Deep down in, in, in the dark parts of your, your brain. In the real In the real part, your daughter, your son, has been starving, and it has had no food for two weeks. Now, you know that your neighbor down the street was a prepper, or you know that the person down the street is more well-off than you, and they have food. Their children aren't starving. Their children look just fine. What would you do to feed your child?
0: Oh, and before you even start, before you even start to try to pontificate and say, well, I am better than that. No, you're not. No, you're not.
1: Right. Now, I I would love to sit here and be like, I would give my child my food. But if you don't have food and your child doesn't have food, let's put it this way. There are times in history we'll do we'll do the genocide in the Ukraine in the 1930s when Russia decided they were going to nationalize the farms. There's an actual name. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. But Holdemore, that was it. Holdemore. I was was trying to think of it too. The Holdemore, where Russia decided that they were going to nationalize the Ukraine farms. And if you weren't part of society, they were going to starve you. Then they decided that they were just going to starve everybody. And Ukraine couldn't get its own food, that it was growing. It was so bad, people were eating grass. Let that sink in. No, no they were no. eating grass and each other. I was going to say, let me
0: take it one step further. There were parents that were eating their own children.
1: yeah, and and it's not like that's the only time in history that's happened. Yo, Stalingrad was a perfect example of times when people would eat wounded people. When we had a plane crash in the Andes, those soccer players, they did the survival thing and ate the dead first, but eventually it got to the point where they ran out of dead people. And then what happens? Don't think that because you live in the 21st century that you are above the barbarism or what it takes to survive. There are people who will break very quickly and they will seek out long pig first. By long pig, I mean human, just just for the term.
0: And I think I think it's terrifying because it's people that you wouldn't expect. Right. If there are people that you think that you could trust. There are people that you would swear up and down. There are people that think, well, I am better than that. I I I am not going to be that person. I was like, you just wait till you get hungry for a couple of weeks.
1: Ask yourself what you would do to protect your own children. And, and you don't have to you don't have to look any farther than women who stay in abusive marriages to protect their children. They will stay there to protect their children. They will un they will take A god-awful amount of punishment before they finally act. Those are people who are just doing it to protect. Imagine what they would do if they had to feed the starving children. You'll have people down the street who will descend quickly. You will have, especially people who have lived hand-to-mouth their entire life, who make it paycheck-to-paycheck and have no supplies whatsoever. They have no money saved up. They have no skills because the government has taken care of them. They they have gotten used to eating fast food. They've gotten used to eating prepackaged food that they can stick in the microwave. Now they don't have it. Not only do they not have it, but they don't have a microwave anymore. There's no power. There's no water. If you haven't... Let, let's put it this way. If... If you live in a cold climb and this was to happen during the winter, you have three hours before you're going to freeze to death. You have three days without food and or three days without water and three weeks without food. If you don't meet those minimum requirements in that amount of time, guess what? you're dead. What's the what's the rule of thumb? Three minutes
0: without three minutes without air?
1: Three? Okay, it's three minutes without air. Three three hours, three hours without hours shelter, hours shelter. three days without water, and three weeks without food.
0: Keep that rule. Now, here's something real quick before we get off the subject. We've talked about how bad and how e- how how dark it can get. <laughs> so don't you ever fucking forget it. Just because you're ready, everyone else turns into an enemy at that point. Everyone else is a is a problem, is a potential threat. You do not let your, your soft hearted nature or the fact that and that's where, you know, in my that's where the survivalist differs in some regards to the prepper. It's because unless we know you, unless we trust you, there is no way
1: in hell I am sleeping with you near me. The prepper is the same way. You know that, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, but you have a you all have more people that you trust.
1: I have a network of people that I can trust that if if shit hits the fan will assemble at my house because that is where i have the ma- i yeah, that's where i have the majority of my supplies. And if it ever came down to it, hey, supplies ran out, hey, we got raided, hey, there's a large force of people coming, i can either choose to fight or i can choose to take what supplies are mobile and move out. See, that's I, i'm kind of a hybrid between the two because i'm a, i was a survivalist first and then <laughs> yeah. and then i got married and i became a, a a homesteader and a prepper because i don't want to drag my wife and children through the stuff that i had to do to survive right but i am fully prepared to do it if necessary But because, I,
0: the point the point i was trying to make though is remember everyone around you
1: no yeah not everybody took your advice not everybody's here and our preppers not everybody has weeks worth of food not everybody's stored up water you know, in Florida, you may have water. People may have water and food in their house until like December first, when it's the end of hurricane season, and then it's like they eat all of their food and water for the from their hurricane supply kit because they must. It's the only thing I can think of is they must do that because come June first, when it's the start of hurricane season, they actually have a tax break so people can go buy freaking. Food and water and gasoline for the start of hurricane season. So they sit on it for six months, hope that nothing bad happens, and then they blow it at the end. Find the people who aren't blowing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> there are online forums that you can go to that where you can meet like-minded individuals. If you decide to go that route, if it's not people that you know. Like, Selco, his was all family. Family and close friends that he had grown up with, and they like he talks about it, it was fifteen twenty houses because the in the town they lived in that equated to a couple of blocks, and they stayed together and they fought together and they traded together and they you know uh they they looked out for each other they they ran different ops together that kind of stuff so they I mean, they knew each other they were all family right. In modern society, you don't have a family that big anymore. Or very rarely, far and few between.
0: <laughs> and, le- and let me say this, though. I know everybody thinks they're fine in the suburbs or where it's in the city. of hit the hell out.
1: Yeah, okay. So say a grid down scenario comes where the power goes out. There is a lot of mixed thought. I tend to look at history more than I look at... Uh, more than I look at survival recommendations, survival recommendations is that if it's a grid down situation, your first three days, you either, if you're in a bug out situ, if you're in a bug in situation, that is when you prepare. If you're in a bug out, that is when you move. It is that first three days because you have people who still have some sense of normalcy. Right. But, uh, I think you have less than 12 hours to get out of a city. And if you ever doubt that, go look up New York City, 1977. Find out what happened. In New York in 1977, all of New York City went dark. Within four hours, within four hours, they were already rioting in the streets because a major city is a death trap in an emergency situation. And the government knows it. If I was an evil government and I had all of these mouths to feed who were going to come look up the government to help them out, but I didn't want to do it or couldn't do it, I would station the military on the entry points into that city and I would let them kill each other and it would take less than a week for gangs to be established in a majority of that city. Then I would send in my troops and clear out who was left. I mean, it is a cruel thing, but let's be realistic. In a grid-down situation or in an emergency situation where the government is just absolutely over, uh, overwhelmed, where the government is on the verge of collapse or has collapsed, ain't nobody coming for you. And those towns, those cities that, you know, Oh, it's the it's the ambiance. It's the, I love being in a town of 8 million people. They will kill each other in record time. Think about it. Think about you live in a city where Black Lives Matter and Antifa already exist. Where you have high levels of crime already. Now, take away any punishment for wrongdoing take away any governing authority how bad do you think that city's going to get and how fast let me tell you a story
0: old man told me this one time he goes you know how you get rid of you know how you get rid of rats on an island you dig a hole and you put a 55 gallon drum in the hole you poke a hole in the lid kind of funnel it down you put peanut butter or some sort of bait so the rat will go out there and fall into the barrel, right? And what you do is you you let that go on for a little bit and then you throw a lid on top of the barrel once you've got it about, you know, full. You wait a few weeks, open it back up. There's only a few rats left because they've eaten each other alive. And then what you do is you just take those couple of rats that survived, you take them out of the barrel and you set them loose. Because they're not going to eat grain. They're not going to eat grass. They're going to eat rats. Or you. you know, they're <laughs> going to eat rats. And you take them, you set them loose, and they will literally go through and start eating all the other rats.
1: Yeah. Because That's what they, becomes, they, they become super predators.
0: Yeah. So think about it. That's what a city is. A city is nothing more than a Sicilian rat trap.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So if we had two pieces of advice to go from today is uh, one, don't trust anyone you don't know and don't trust half the people you do know. Get out of your little media bubble and start looking for the world as it is. And uh, if you're in a city, get out.
1: Right. So. When I talk about prepping and skills that you need, I'm going to go back to Selco. Because they asked him, what what skills and what preps did you <clears throat> right? We used what we had. We were not prepared for that situation. We did not know about prepping. So you can imagine some aspects. We went back to the Stone Age. Actually, in most of the areas. We just used everything we had for it. Uh, One example I had in my propane or butane, I'm not sure. Uh, big bottle cylinder. And... I did not use it for cooking or heating. It was too valuable. I managed to build, uh, fix that bottle with my friend so I can attach a hose on some kind. Uh, so that I could fill disposable lighters. They're, dispos- they're not disposable if you know what to do. Those lighters were worth a small fortune. To make the story short, somebody would bring me an empty lighter to me and I would fill that lighter with gas. Usually I took one can for that or one candle or whatever he can offer me. I am a registered nurse. In time like that, my knowledge was my thing for trade. And yes, being trained and educated in times like that is worth a fortune. Pay attention to that part. If you know how to fix things... All your goods are going to be exhausted one day, but your specific knowledge can be your food. I mean, learn to fix things, shoes or people, whatever you can. My neighbor used to know how to make some kind of oil for oil lamps, and he was not hungry. He never showed me how he made that oil, but he knew how. I believe he used some tree behind his house and a small amount of diesel. I don't know. My point is to learn things. Uh, People always need something who know how to fix things. It was not a survival movie. There is no Calvary coming to save you. And we understood that. It was ugly. And we did what we had to do to survive. Nobody wins. We just survived with a lot of bad dreams. Let that last line sink in before we sign off. Let that sink in. Nobody wins we just survived with a lot of bad dreams and with that thank you for listening to a shorter version of uh winter's call podcast uh we're going to do a couple more episodes on prepping uh, more bad scenarios and what survival and prepping in a shit hits the fan scenario actually looks like from what we've seen and from what we know of human nature. And with that, I'm Odin. This is Tyr. And until next time, keep fighting and be prepared. Never comply. The preceding podcast is brought to you by Heimdall, Keeper of the Bifrost.